Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 77 of the podcast that was originally recorded on July 7th of 2015. Some of the games I played for the week, Traders of Osaka, Fresco, Snowdonia, Citadels, The Voyages of Marco Polo, Rattlebones, Shroud of the Avatar, and A Little Daytona Rush. I also talked about a couple of the games I want to play now. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. My name is Joe Luzzi, and we are on episode 77 of the podcast. And hey, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. If you're on Facebook, do a search for us on Facebook. Just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Of course, we're on Google Plus, which is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now, which I hope will be live tomorrow evening, considering I am actually recording this and hopefully getting this edited tonight. And tonight is Tuesday. So hopefully that will free up my Wednesday to get some gaming in on the Twitch channel, which I know I've been saying for a while, but um, I'm hopefully really going to do it this time. All right, we're going to jump into the games I played for the weekend. With this being a holiday weekend here in the States, I actually got quite a few games in as I spent several days down at my local game store. I was down there for quite a while, both a couple of days that I was down there. Let's just jump into what I was playing. So one of the first things I was playing was Traders of Osaka. This is actually a remake of a card game that has been out before. This is actually the third edition of the game, I believe, is what I was playing. I think it had just come out this past week or maybe the week before. Truthfully, my my game group just can't get enough of this game right now. The game is basically a set collection game where you are working on creating sets of goods and you're moving matching ships along a path to deliver those goods. On your turn, you can buy the market. You can take a card from the market for coins or reserve a card. So when you when you're buying a when you're buying a card from the market, you have to take all the cards that are in the market that are not reserved by other players. The only reserved card you are ever allowed to basically take is is your own card that you've reserved. One of the other things you can do with a reserved card is you can also take a reserved card just by picking it up and actually take that for the coins. You have no hand limit in this game, but I have noticed that my hand size never gets really that large, especially since you are having to buy the market to get the cards. The nice twist to this though is that there's a spot on the board that the ships can actually land on before they get to the final their final destination and i believe it's the final two spots before that final destination and if a ship reaches the actual end location and there's ships in these final two spaces and i believe they're marked with a tidal wave it basically knocks the ships back a couple of spots what happens is any colors or any goods you actually have that are in front of you get discarded so it, there's a tight rope that you're having to walk between buying cards and having to keep cards in your hand because the cards you keep in your hand, if they're matching the color of the goods that are in front of you, and there's, I believe, a little icon in the upper right or left-hand corner. I can't remember which one it is. It's actually a card that will let you spend that card for insurance. So you really have to kind of gauge what you're doing when you're buying things and when it looks like one of the ships may get close to the end. And hopefully you don't have too many goods in front of you that you possibly can't insure so you're not actually discarding them. So when a ship actually does reach the final spot, there's a payout that occurs for that color or for any additional colors as well of ships that have reached that final spot. Basically, each character takes a look at their 
highest numbered card for that particular colored good, and they multiply it by the quantity of goods for that color. So let's say you have three blue cards and your highest value blue card is five. You would multiply the five by the three for 15, and then you divide them by five to see how many cards you get to keep. So in this example, you'd actually get to keep all three cards. That doesn't necessarily always happen though. So after you total up the number of cards you get to keep, you basically place those cards underneath your scoring token. Those cards are then kept until the end of the game when everybody totals up their victory points, which each card is a victory point, and then you see basically who wins. And now this game really reminds me of Jaipur, but it's really taken to the next level. The game gets really interesting once you have more than two players. We played quite a bit with just two players, and then we finally got a couple of games in with four players. The turnover on the market is really intense and happens really quickly, and the strategy that you have to use with more players really changes from just a two-player game. I'm seeing this game played at a lot of from a lot of different groups in our play group. I'm seeing it at a lot of different tables and everybody seems to be enjoying this game quite a bit. So if you have not ever checked out Traders of Osaka since this is since this is basically a remake, this is the third edition print, this, this game's been out for a little while before, but if you have never checked out this game before, definitely check out this card game. It's one that plays great with two players or more. We've played up to four players. I don't think it plays more than four. I'm not 100% certain on that though. It's definitely a great game for two to four players. One of the other games we got to the table the other day was a little game called Fresco. So one of the guys in our game group really enjoys this worker programmed type of worker placement game. He's talked about it a lot since I've been going down to the store and I've always wanted to play it. We've never really had it. We've never gotten it to the table or the times that it has gotten to the table. I've been involved in another game or something. So I always miss playing it. So we finally got a chance with a group of four of us, I think it was, to play Fresco as well as I think he had several, if not all, of the expansions for the game. This is just another worker placement game that I just had a blast with. So you start off your turn by placing your main worker meeple, I guess, on the time track to kind of figure out who's actually going to start the order for the round. The earlier you wake up in the day, there's a, there's a time, there's like a little alarm clock there. So the earlier you're going to wake up, the earlier you're going to get to play in the round, but your workers also don't really care for this too much. So they're going to actually take a hit to their happiness. And if their happiness gets too low, you're going to start the next round out with fewer workers. Now, if you can get your happy, if you can get your workers' happiness up higher, which is actually one of the actions you can take during the round, you actually can get an extra worker during the turn. So pretty much throughout the game, your workers' happiness is on this chart is going to be going up and down throughout the whole game. I was lucky enough to kind of keep mine towards the middle. I got that close a couple of times to actually losing one of my workers, but never actually did. I was able to then the next round place one of my workers on the one spot to actually give me a plus to my happiness. So I was I was set in that department. So what happens next is once you figured out the order, you will then place your workers on your board behind a screen. And this is basically kind of the programming feature of what I consider for this game. There's multiple actions that a worker can do, and each one is done in a specific order. So you need to figure out on your turn if you need more paints. If so, then you need to hit the market early, which is where you can buy paints. You need to figure out if you need more cash. If so, you can actually, I think, it's, I think you sell some paintings and you get, um, I think it's three gold for that. Uh, you can also do an increase.
increase to your happiness, which gives you plus two happiness, I believe. So the most important action, though, there's there's two of these. There's two pretty important actions that kind of make up the whole game, and that's the mixing of paints, which you can take different colors of paints and actually mix those into larger colored tokens. So there's actually several different color tokens in the game, and some of the smaller colored tokens will mix up into larger color tokens, which are basically used to be put on to be to purchase tiles off the board later on in the game and one of the actions. And that's basically where the main murals covered up by various tiles, and they have different colors on them. And what you're going to do is you're going to spend your paints then to buy these tiles, which will then remove that tile from the mural. Each different tile that's on the mural has a different number of victory points, and usually it's going to be related to the type or the number of paints you're going to need to put on there as to how many victory points you're going to get for it, get for that particular tile. So you're basically working to obtain as many of these tiles as possible throughout the game, and once there are less than six remaining, the final round is signaled. I have, like I said before at the beginning of my talk on this one, I've seen this game taught and played many times down at the local game store. Never really had a chance to play it, but I am so glad I finally did. I can see why the one guy in our game group really enjoys this game, and I have, a, I think this is one of his top worker placement games, is what he's mentioned before. So I could see why it was a really good game. If you've never had a chance to play Fresco, you definitely want to check out Fresco if you like worker placement games, and it's it's a really cool game, especially if you can get one in with some of the expansions. All right, so one of the other games we played, I think the following day, I think that was Thursday, and so I think I went down to the game store on Friday, and I think one of the first games we played on Friday, besides getting in some more Traders of Osaka, was a game called Snowdonia. So I guess this is kind of my worker placement week because Snowdonia is yet another worker placement game, and I really hadn't planned on playing pretty much all worker placement games this week, but it kind of just happened to go that way. So I think this game was actually being played Thursday night when I was down at the game store while we were actually playing Fresco. So there was another table, I think, there there was a group of guys that were playing this. So that on Friday, a bunch of us that were there, I think most of us hadn't played it other than the one guy who had brought the game. So we he pulled it out again and we were like, sure, let's sit down and give this game a shot. And it's actually an interesting worker placement game in that you're working to build your build kind of like a railway around a mountain. And this railway in this game consists of cards that are randomly placed around the board, kind of like in a rainbow type fashion, I guess you could say. You're going to have several workers on your turn that you're going to place on various actions on spots on the board to either collect resources or build various items. And then you can also obtain cards by placing your worker in one of the locations. The cards will actually give you more victory points at the end of the game if you can actually complete the suggestions that are on the card. There's also a location where you can actually increase and move your surveyor around the outside of the board. He moves on various cards and he will give you also he will also give you more points if you can pretty much get him close to the end at the end of the board is where you will get the most points at the end of the game. So what kind of made this game unique besides basically being like a railroad theme type game was the actual engine that the game created itself and I'm not talking train engine I'm actually talking the game had its own engine that it was creating so basically what happens at the end of a round you have to repopulate the resource pool so that's basically taking tokens from a bag and placing them in the resource pool now, one of the tokens you can actually pull from the bag are these white tokens, which actually signify that the company itself is actually performing an action that turn. So these get placed along a special track, and each time a resource is placed there, the company is going to complete a task, and they're completing the tasks, or that they're completing the same tasks that you're trying to complete as well. So you're not only kind of playing against all of your opponents in this game, but you're playing against the game itself. 
And at first, I wasn't really too sure how this was going to work, but it really does help move the game along, as it seems like players making decisions and completing the tasks that they might have waited a few more turns to complete are kind of doing them ahead of time, because you really got to pay attention to possibly how many white cubes are left in the bag and when they may be coming out. I really enjoyed this part of the game, as you really never knew what when the company was really going to get pulled. You kind of knew what the company was going to do next, because you could see where the next token was going to land, but it really kept the game from stalling out. And one of the things that happened in our game is early on in the game, we had a lot of rain cards that come through. And in the deck of cards, there's actually several different weather elements that can come into play. And we had a lot of rain. I don't even know how many turns we had that were rain. And everybody seemed to not really be doing as much work because on rainy days, it actually slows down how much stuff you can actually do during your turn. Then on sunny days, you can actually do more. Then there's foggy days. On foggy days, there's actually a couple actions you can't even take during your turn because of due to the fog. So the weather actually really comes into play in this game, and that's a nice mixture of what the cards can do. And it was I thought it was really interesting in that just having so much rain on so many cards all in a row really changed the whole feel of the game because the guy who actually owned the game said he'd never seen that much rain before, and he'd never seen the game kind of almost stall out the way it did but we're luckily we got a little bit of sun going the game actually kept its own engine moving and once the rain stopped the game just really picked up and before we knew it it was over so I guess you can kind of say there's also a little co-op action to the game and I'm not really too sure if I want to call it co-op or if it's more of a screw your neighbor type of play but as you're removing some of the resources from the boards you're all going to be removing this rubble from the cards and once the rubble is actually removed from the cards you can actually then build rails on the cards and that's where you're going to get your victory points from so you really need to watch how much rubble you want to remove because if you remove too much rubble and your opponent is then able to then build the build the rail on there they're going to be the ones that get the victory points so you kind of really need to watch what you're doing in this game and when you're doing it it's a really cool game everybody that played it really seemed to like it i'd actually like to see this get to the table again hopefully with not as much rain all in a row so we can actually see what actually kind of happens and maybe get a get a little bit more normal or average of a game, I guess I should say, going. But it was a really cool game, and everybody really enjoyed that one as well. All right, so my next game that I played was a little game called Citadels, and this is a nice light card game. Hey, it's not a worker placement game, but I do have something else to talk about after this, and it might be a worker placement game, but Citadels isn't. Citadels is a nice little light card game, and basically each round, you're going to play a different character and try to be able to afford to build various locations in your Citadel and build up your whole Citadel in front of you. So each location in your citadel has to be unique and the first player to build eight locations basically causes the end of the game to occur. This game is both resource gathering as well as drafting. As the player with the first person token shuffles the cards, they deal one face up in the middle of the table, then two face down, and then they basically look at the remaining cards of characters, and then they choose one, and then pass the rest to the person on the left. This goes around until everybody has one character in their hand. Anything else is that's left is placed face down in the middle of the table, and then you basically start the round. Now the interesting thing is the way the round goes is each character that everybody just took one card of is numbered from one to eight and basically you go in order so whoever took the number one card will get to go first and the number one card actually i think was the assassin card so whoever has this card basically states who they want to assassinate that turn and whoever they say once it gets to that player's turn they basically flip over their card and say okay i was just assassinated and they're basically their turn is skipped because they cannot act since they were just assassinated i think the number two card was the thief and basically on the thief's turn it kind of works similar to the assassin but you're basically stealing money from somebody so you basically say who you want to steal money from 
So on that turn, once it gets to be that person's, they flip it over and you basically get however much money they have in front of them at that time. Since you can't really, since you can see who has money in front of them, you really want to time playing the thief properly because if nobody has money in front of them, you really don't want to be the thief because then you're basically just wasting an action. But it's also really hard and difficult to figure out what other characters people may be playing or may be at that time. So it's really just a complete guessing game. It's just a lot of crazy fun. And basically you just keep going around the table, gathering money and resources and just playing the locations and some of the different locations also do have various actions or let you do different things so there's kind of a lot going on in the game but it was really easy to pick up and I can see that this is definitely a game where the more you have the better it probably would be I think we had four people playing it was a perfect number of players for the game and I would definitely play Citadels again it was a really cool fun game all right then our final game that we played for the one evening was the voyages of Marco Polo so this is a new game I believe that was recently released. I don't know if it was released at Origins or not, but I know several of the guys from our game group that went down to Origins, several of them had played it down there for the first time, and they said it was really good. One of the guys in our game group actually purchased the game, I think it was Thursday or Friday night, whichever day I was, I think it was Friday, and he opened up the box and we instantly started playing because he had actually played it before once, so he, he knew the rules and was able to teach it real quick. So the way Marco Polo works is, and this will be my final worker placement game of the evening to discuss, like I said, this was a pretty much heavy worker placement game and we actually almost played a game of lords of Waterdeep tonight but my wife actually took our dogs to the vet to get all checked out so i actually didn't get any lords of Waterdeep in tonight but um maybe i'll get some in tomorrow so we'll have to see about that but back to marco polo all right so it's a recently re- recently released game like i said and it's definitely one that's quite different than the rest because in this game you have a character that you're basically moving around the board to various locations what moves him though are your worker dice and you have five dice i believe that you're rolling at the beginning of your turn and you're going to kind of spend these dice on various actions throughout the round. I'm really hoping to that this game becomes a regular game at, our, at the game group because it was a heck of a lot of fun. The dice add a nice bit of randomness to the game, but it definitely doesn't break the game. So besides spending your dice to move around the board, you can actually use the dice to also purchase, purchase different resources, which can then be spent. And you're going to need to keep resources in stock because when you're moving around the board, there's going to be spots where you're going to have to either spend money to move to a particular area or actual camels which is one of the resources a couple of the other actions that you can actually take with your dice are you can actually spend camels to actually add plus one to a die for that round or you can actually just re-roll a die i think if you spend three camels to do the re-roll now considering the one thing that kind of had us intrigued towards the end of the game i guess i would say they give you a scorecard that has like a 50 on one side and then 100 on the other but when we totaled up all of our points i think the highest player had 48 or 49 points so none of us broke 50 but all of us were actually very close in play and the game is basically played out in rounds and you really kind of need to get things moving fast in this game is really before we knew it the final round was upon us so with your dice you can actually place your dice in various spots on the board like i said before purchasing resources moving your character getting gold from um from like one of the there's a spot on the board which is like a bag where you can just get gold from the one main thing that will probably bring me back to this game quite a bit is the randomness of the cards that are placed in the various cities so the replay playability factor in this game is going to be pretty high because the board's always going to be set up different and you'll never be able to use the same strategy twice. You also have cards that are given to you at the beginning of the game and you are basically trying to get to multiple locations on this card, basically have a building there by the end of the game and this will get you more points as well. 
This kind of reminded me of, um, I guess, Ticket to Ride in a really odd kind of sense. But uh, the game has a lot going on, and the dice mechanic is, is really unique. So when you're playing your dice, one of the things that made the game really interesting is that if somebody ha had already taken the, the, move, the action for movement, if you wanted to go there, you needed to play dice that were higher than them, I believe. And there were several spots on the board where if somebody put their dice there, you needed to put dice on there that were higher. Also, when you're placed, when you're trying to get things kind of like from the market area, when you're trying to get resources, you're placing your dice on top of each other. And it was, it was just a really interesting mechanic and just one that I, I'd kind of just like to revisit and probably play a couple more times before I say anything more about it. But I will say it was a lot of fun. I'm just really interested to see if we were doing everything correctly, especially since our scores just really didn't seem to be real high. Or if maybe just since it was the first time we played, we all kind of took a similar type of strategy. And maybe there's just one that actually is maybe just a little bit better and a little more optimized than what any of us had thought of. So a couple of the games that I played for the week, um, we actually got in a couple of games of Rattlebones. Rattlebones, I've talked about in a previous podcast. I think it was maybe last week's. Another nice little dice game. This one's definitely a lot lighter than any of the other games that I've talked about on the podcast. If you haven't checked out Rattlebones, definitely give it a shot. It's cool. I'm not too sure it's one I would actually add to my collection, but it's a game that I would play if it's put out on the table. But there's just just a couple of things about it that I just don't think I'd, I just want to keep playing constantly. It's okay to play as a nice little filler game but beyond that and I'm, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say that it's a that it's a much better game than I'm probably making it out to be and I, I don't mean it's a bad game it is a good game it's just one that's just just a nice light filler game for me I guess I also have been playing Shroud of the Avatar quite a bit on my computer uh, I was able to finally get my first reward for the current release I had missed kind of I think the last two because I started towards the end of release 17 I didn't get my hat and it seems like each release that they come out with each month they they have a different quest you can go on where they're giving you a different hat this month's quest was actually to obtain a goblin mask I think it was which I was able to get and they're probably going to be rare items because I think you can only get these during the month that they're actually available right now and I really wish I hadn't missed the first two right now but I'm, I'm kind of glad I got the one that I did get and I'm probably looking into possibly maybe getting a house for my next for the next release which is going to be release 20 which I believe is going to be towards the end of the month here as there's going to be a complete wipe of characters so everybody's gonna have to restart so I think I may actually up my pledge for this game and actually look into possibly getting a house so I have a full-time house to be able to store all my stuff in. So, But so far, Shroud of the Avatar, if you're looking for an MMO and you don't mind playing something that's in basically alpha, there are a lot of things that I have found in this game that I've noticed are very early on. But I can see that, like I've said before in a couple of previous podcasts, I, I kind of see the diamond in the rough in this game. There's a lot of good that they have going on in each month. A lot of the additions and a lot of the, the work that they're doing on the game seem to be headed in the right direction. I've also been playing a little bit of Daytona Rush. I mentioned this game on the podcast last week that I've been playing on my phone. Definitely check this one out. I don't know why, but I kind of can't stop playing this. Like I said before, it reminds me of the old, old Mattel handheld games I used to play back in the late 70s when I was a really small kid that I used to enjoy. And this game just reminds me of that. Those games just quite a bit. So that is it. Those are all the games I played for the weekend. Wow. That was, I like holiday weekends because I can get a hell of a lot of gaming in and I I did exactly that. All right, so let's jump over to what I want to play now. So there's a couple of games that I want to play right now. There was a game I downloaded onto my phone that I want to give a shot to, shot to that I really just haven't had a chance to, and I had to delete quite a few other games to be able to download this since the memory card on my phone was kind of full, and that's a game called Vainglory. It's basically a MOBA, so it's going to be something like Dota 2, Defense of the Ancients, or something like Heroes of the Storm that's being put out by Blizzard right now, but it's a MOBA that's played on your phone. I downloaded it. I haven't gone through the tutorial or anything yet. It looks pretty cool. 
I've heard a couple people down at the game store actually talking about it. And one of the guys down there actually is the one who mentioned it to me. It's one of the reasons why I downloaded it. So I'm going to be giving that one a shot. Also, I am hopefully going to be able to start putting together my first video game review, or I guess my first video review of a board game, I guess I should say. And that will probably be Magic the Gathering Arena, the Planeswalker. I'll probably do an unboxing of this one as well as a complete video review. And I should be getting the game tomorrow. So I'm kind of excited to get that one. I've already been watching a couple of different videos on the game and how the game is played. It looks like it's pretty cool. Looks like it's a lot like HeroScape, which I am completely fine with. So I really can't wait to get that one to the table. And that will probably be what is being played quite a bit this weekend. So really looking forward to that. But other than that, that's the games I played for the week. And hey, as always, let me know what you're playing now. Send me some emails. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G. You can do a search on Facebook for what I'm playing now. Also our Google Plus, plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And of course our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, thanks for joining me. Don't forget to go out to iTunes. Give me some reviews on iTunes. Stop by the website. See what I have going up on there. And as always, let me know what you're playing now. And I'll be back next week to let you know what I'm playing. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you later. 